Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the Commodores of cocktails. That's right. Or maybe I'm the general of uh, Greece. That doesn't make any sense. Hey, hope you're uh, hope you're enjoying the freedoms we have now bestowed. Uh, our liberties have been uh, somewhat uh, restored for our state. We're a chance to uh, go find a restaurant that's open, <laughs> right? Apparently, we can't sit at bars yet. Uh, it's just still crazy. But, um, you know, uh, we'll get through it. The, the weather's going to be beautiful. And, of course, we've got lots of wine, lots of Washington wine, uh, Oregon wine, American wine. And today, just for you, the birthplace of wine to some extent, uh, we're going to talk about the wines of Greece. And I have Ted Diamantis, who is the owner, uh, proprietor of Diamond Wine Importers out of Chicago. And this is always fun. Um, you know, it, it took me a long time to figure out how to say some of the grape names there. Uh, but when we think about the world of wine, of course, uh, we think about the, the Greeks who started traveling the Mediterranean planting grapes. And then, of course, the, when the Roman Empire took over, they uh, every soldier, every town, uh, they, the soldiers brought vine. So they would have wine to make and, of course, fruit to eat. And, uh, and the reason was is that uh, you couldn't find sources of clean water, right? No one figured out that... If you threw your bath water out or your, your toilet water out in the street, it just kind of seeps in. But uh, Ted will kind of dispel some of those myths, perhaps. But let's get to it. Hey, Ted Diamantis, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Hi, Christopher. Thanks for having me. And, My pleasure. Uh, and th- and great to be uh, great to be in Seattle virtually. Yes, exactly. This is you know we've been uh, a Zoom world lately, and uh, I guess radios it makes it, we're kind of really the new one. And uh, I'm glad you're here. Tell me about your journey. Are you a Greek person? Are you Greek? Is that it? It is. I am a first generation uh, Greek American. Okay. Did you uh, w- did your uh, parents go to the Midwest right away? Because I know that I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. There was a big Greek community there. Yes, there is. And in Chicago, uh, my. My parents did originally um, migrate to uh, to Chicago directly. Uh, they didn't stop in New York or Toronto and some of the other Greek hubs, uh, and they came over in right around 1955, I believe, um, and settled here in Chicago and uh, raised uh, a family, my sister and I. Um, so we're native-born Americans, native to Chicago. Uh, you could probably tell from my very deep. Chicago accent. Yeah, I can't run away from yeah, that. I can see. Uh, so uh, my roots are Midwest for sure, but uh, we've always kept a very, very close tie uh, with our family in Greece. It's one of the unique stories, at least as a migrant story. My parents didn't come over and bring the whole village over, just like uh, other right. they were brought over by other people from their village. Uh-huh. My parents uh, came by choice, not economic. Uh, they were educated. They came here for an opportunity, and they came here also for an adventure. And loved it here so much that they decided to raise a family and stay here for the last, oh, my God, 75, 80 years. Um, and uh, so all our relatives, uh, our first and second degree relatives, are all still back in Greece until today. And even my sister 
migrated back to Greece uh, roughly about 25, 30 years ago as well. So we've always had very deep and, um, and important ties to Greece, whereas a lot of immigrant groups from different parts of the world, when they leave the old country, they kind of leave that behind. While us as Greeks, we do keep always our ties with Greece. And in our particular case, my family's case, we had a very, uh, very close ties because all our, all our relatives were still there. So um, that's how I got engaged with Greece uh, throughout my life. But mostly this, uh, my Greek uh, involvement when it comes to wine and all that emerged post-university, uh, post-corporate world. Um, <laughs> I did a corporate world thing right out of college, and I knew that wasn't for me. Um, and I was like, I ran off to Greece to kind of reconnect with family that I hadn't seen in years and also to find my roots. And also to explore Europe, because back in 1990, 91, when I did this, uh, the EU was not even formed. The EU was right. formed in 1992. Still had Franks and, and stuff. Uh, pardon me? Still had French Franks. <laughs> Still had French German Franks Marks. and Italian Lira. Yeah. And, and even that didn't, come, that didn't even change until 1998 and 2000 and 2001 with the Mastroc Treaty. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, so Greece was an original member of the EU. And I remember as a young man, right, you know, a couple of years out of college, I remember picking up a magazine. I forgot. I think it was uh, The Economist. I think it was The Economist, which is was rare back and anybody was reading The Economist in the United States. I got it. I don't know how I got it. But, uh, <laughs> doctor's office. Um, and I re- <laughs> the doctors, not even the doctors would read that. Yeah, that was really? the publication. Wasn't even getting, it was before the Internet, remember. Right. You know, we didn't have uh, all this information at our fingertips as we do today. So I remember reading an article stating that the biggest consumer group in the world is going to be Europe with the, the emergence of the EU and the common market. And I was like, holy shit, that's, that's, that sounds exciting. And, you know, I would just say I had these entrepreneurial uh, uh, energy and, uh, and uh, my entrepreneurial blood was flowing and I just wanted to do something on my own. And always, you know, I grew up in a household and my dad was an entrepreneur, but he was also a teacher and a, and a principal. And my mom was ah. a teacher. But, you know, my dad always had some side hustle, you know not even a side hustle, second and third career always. Yeah. Um, so I remember him as a young kid telling me, hey, you never get rich working for somebody else. So, uh. <laughs> so that was always planted in my head. So um, I took off and went to Greece, and, and I traveled around Europe kind of checking out. My first idea was what can I export from the United States to Europe? Right. Seeing that this is going to be the largest consumer group in the world, and they're way behind – you know, where the United States was at in terms of technologies, conveniences. So that was my first kind of mindset. Uh, but once I got to Greece, and I just, and my life has been really ruled by fate uh, oh. to, to a large part. Um, and I made this one critical decision to go to Greece and spend a year there and travel to Europe and see what's going on. And that led me to meeting a young man uh, who was, at the time, making wine in his father's garage, who today, fast forward today, is one of the most important winemakers of Europe, one of the most important winemakers of Greece, and has risen from being a garagiste, a literal garagiste in, in Greece, making wine and trying to elevate the conversation of wine over 30 years ago to becoming the president of the Greek Winemakers Federation today. Wow. And that's a gentleman named George Skouras. Oh, okay. Cool. George Skouras, which is a really re- renowned well-respected winemaker and businessman in Greece now, um, was my mentor. And he was only a few years older than me. And 
And since uh, we connected on many different levels, you know, I was still in my mid-20s and he was in his early 30s. And, you know, he still liked to party and hang out. And, <laughs> and I certainly love that part out of life. So that's how we connected originally. But he just kept on over over a year of me trying to figure out what I'm going to export to Europe, which was you know, my original thoughts was medical equipment and heavy machinery because of all these all the money that was pouring into the southern European countries to, to you know to up, upgrade their hospitals, right. infrastructure, to upgrade their ro- infrastructure, and I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And but it, it, during that whole time of us just hanging out and 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 being friends, because it's you know you know in life you know sometimes Christopher you you meet somebody and you know you know well, that guy's going to be a friend for life or that's going to you know you know there was a connection there, you know that's what's occurred between George and I. And, but he kept on muttering to me and whispering to me for over a year, you know, about wine and slowly indoctrinating me into the wine, how wine is a way of life and how this is a, a wine is a great vehicle for an entrepreneurial person, for a person that loves to be in nature, for a person that loves to be creative, for a person that loves business. Uh, so it, it was like it, it captured my imagination. It also his passion and his dream of recapturing Greece's glories when it comes to wine production was also infectious and it was inspirational. And I was like, man, this is, there's an opportunity here. And I kept on, you know, going back in my mind, Oh my God, like you said earlier, a lot of Greeks, in the United States, you know, um, there's as many Greeks outside of Greece as there are in Greece. No way. Kind of like the Irish. Really? That. Oh, I guess yeah, so. Well, yeah. There's only, yeah. Yeah. There's only 10 million Greeks in Greece. <laughs> and there's, I think there's 12 million outside of Greece. Like there's in the in Ireland, there's like six million Irish in Ireland, but there's like 30 million out everywhere else. <laughs> um, uh, so I kept on thinking, oh my god, look at all these you know pockets of Greek restaurants all over the United States. This still was in the 90s, so early 90s. So there was still Greek towns, quote unquote Greek towns, right? And and tons of Greek restaurants. Um, but they were all pretty much cookie cutter. And this is what I found out after I took this on. But I just had this young vision of like, oh, my God, there's so many outlets. There's, you know, if I can elevate what's coming in, it's, here's this guy that's going to that has a goal of, of bringing back the past glories of Greece and cultivating, recultivating and or, or, and or cultivating correctly all these ancient Greek varieties. Um, and this whole sphere and ecosystem of wine seems so much fun but also kind of fulfilling because i'm trying to you know fill holes in me and figure out who i am and what i want to do with my life and how to express myself <laughs> i go this is cool you know and food and wine hell i can do that you know i bartended through college and right. stuff like that so i'm like hey this is this is right in my wheelhouse and um and so that's how i got into it and i took it took a chance and it took a gentleman a person like that like you know we all have people in our lives that kind of open a certain door for us or, or point us in the right direction. He was one of those first people that did that for me. And, and we, we did a handshake deal because we went into the unknown together. He was trying to create something where there was nothing there because the Greek wine scene back in the early, in, all the way through post-war, uh, for the last 300 years since liberation from the Ottoman Turks, which was around 1830, Greek wine was a commodity. It was, a, it was, it was treated as... It, as something that was on the table. Uh, there was no commercial production or very, very little. And most of that, that was for export. Um, and even if we go back to the Byzantine period, you know, from, uh, from, um, uh, from 
300 to 1453. You know, wines were being exported. Greek wines were the most prized wines around the world. Um, and this is even after antiquity because the Venetians were trading them. Um, and Greek wines for over 3,000 years, until even until the, until the 19th century, were considered the best wines in the world. Uh, it, it become, but not traded by Greeks, traded by others. So when Greece was liberated, uh, and then all the way until 1950, Greece was an agrarian peasant culture. So everybody made their own wine in their own home. Sure. Everybody had their vineyard in their village. Well, that was a lot of them. wine was something foreign, you know, uh, constructed in a factory somewhere. They wouldn't <laughs> touch it. They'd be like, oh, my God, it's, it's got color and it's stable. They could be, they, they didn't understand the science. Yeah. These were like, we're all talking about everybody, the, the new hippest thing for the younger generation out there is, Natural wine? Well, I lived through really natural wine. Oh, boy. Wine, where wines are just made without <laughs> I thought it was White Claw. I thought White Claw was their new expression of, uh, <laughs> of, of uh, yeah, elegance well, uh, and uh, savvy. Um, speaking with uh, yeah. Ted Diamantis, who is the – are you the president, owner, or like, like the hair club guy? I'm the founder. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm a customer, too. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> yes, I am the owner and founder. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so you sent me four wines, and I'm excited to talk to you. I decided to revisit Greece. I was studying for the Master Summit exam, and I, I dug my nose deep into Greece, and uh, it seems like it's uh, a long time ago already, and that was just last year. And Of course, everything seems different this year, right? Because uh, this quarantine and the home shelter in place, and weeks turn into, days turn into weeks. <laughs> Every day is a Friday, yeah. so you have cocktails early. I don't know. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, uh, I don't, for sure. <laughs> super cool. Hey, uh, real quick, um, what makes Greek pizza Greek? What makes Greek pizza Greek? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, pizza as a word is Greek. It comes from the word pita. Oh, really? And Oh, yeah. Pizza originated in Greece. Hey! Um, no way. There you go. All right. Absolutely. Well, it's, we'll, it's, it's, from the H, it's from the Greek word pita. Okay. Um, and these were made in the ancient world, and they were made. And, and what makes Greek uh, uh, a, a contemporary pizza? What makes it Greek? Hmm. Sunflower um, seeds. <laughs> Feta cheese. All that stuff. Hey, Ted, stick around. We'll be right back. We're going to take a break. Come right back and start tasting some wines right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, talk radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round two. Hope you got something tasty in your glass or heading someplace. I mean, you can go out and about now. You're probably in your car heading to your favorite place so you can sit six feet apart <laughs> and enjoy a beer. Oh, remember to tip big. Those cats didn't have any money for a long time. But uh, And speaking of no money, I think Greece was broke at one point. Ted, do you mind? Just tell me about this whole Greece being broke thing. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, we had a we had a financial crisis starting in 2008. Like I world. am kidding. Uh, I like the way you jumped in there. Oh. We're here to talk about wine. I, I don't know. Oh, bud. You're good. You're good. I'm here to answer anything and everything, Christmas. That, I was grasping for a segue there, and it was certainly grasping. All right, tell me quickly. Let's get an overview, a five-minute overview about uh, the regions of Greece. Sure. 
So Greece is a fairly complex wine country. Um, it is the third most mountainous country in the world. It is a maritime uh, climate. We are a peninsula. We're the southern and most eastern point of Europe. Um, we are closer to the African continent, so we have a little bit warmer uh, influence. But because of the mountains, we have continental climates. We have 33 PDOs, um, which are protected designation of origin, which are Appalachians, so growing regions. We have 120 PGIs, which are broader uh, uh, designations, agricultural designations. Protected geographical wine. indications, uh, we yeah. Have, yep, and we have 300, over 300 indigenous varieties. Uh, and we're not a one-off country by any means, so we're not homogeneous in terms of our flavor profile because of all these varieties, because of the mountains, because of the, the influence from the sea, uh, because of the soil profiles. We have the greatest quilt of soil profiles any winemaker or viticulturist who ever want in the world. Uh, because we, Greece has created a seismic and volcanic activity. So oh, right. if, if you're creating something from scratch, it would look like Greece if you're creating somewhere ideal to grow grapes to make wine. Wow. Um, so, uh, uh, so today we're actually going to be touching on one, two, three, three four, distinct, four distinct growing regions. Uh, with four distinct indigenous Greek varieties. Awesome. Well, let's just jump right into it. And uh, uh, you say, is a lot of Greek wine actually exported, or is it mostly uh, stays home and, and being drunk by the locals? 80% of our wines is consumed in Greece, 20% yeah. is exported. All right, so it's very rare, people. You see a bottle of Greek wine, you know, it was only one in five. It got, it got a chance to escape. So, All right, so here are the wines <laughs> I have today. Uh, I've got Ascuris uh, Salto Moscofiliero, um, Wild Yeast uh-huh. 2018, and then I have another white called Assertico from the island of Santorini. Which should we start with? I'm thinking the Salto. Let's... Uh, I think the Salto, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, this is a pretty package. Salto, is that the name of the producer, or is that just a special Lou D? Or tell me about the, the, this wine. Okay, so, um, so the producer here is Domain Scuras, which was the gentleman I was referring to that got sure. me into the uh-huh. wine industry. Burgundian trained winemaker. Um, and came back to Greece in the, in the uh, mid-1980s. It started his his uh, his crusade. Now, this particular wine is a single vineyard, single variety, single clone version of a variety that's cultivated in a cold climate in the Arcadia region. And Arcadia is located about two hours southwest of Athens, in the prefecture of Peloponnese. Peloponnese, which we consider which we consider southern Greece. This is cultivated at around twenty two hundred feet elevation. It's the second coldest growing region in Greece. Uh, the other one is in northern Greece, and we'll kind of refer to that when we talk about one of the reds. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a area that has, is that millions of years ago was underwater. It's got alluvial <laughs> soils and sedimentary soils and a lot of limestone. And this is a variety, Moscofilero, ancient variety. Been around, it's been in Greece as far as we know for over 3,000 years in this region specifically. It is a pigskin grape variety, but there's five different clones and all have different hues to the skins. In this iteration of Moscofila, which is George Skirts is the first one in Dudas, it's a monoclone, one clone called Mavrofilaro. And the etymology of the word of Moscofilaro, Mosco means aromatic, filaro means leaf, aromatic leaf. Mavrofilaro means black leaf, which is a subset of Moscofilaro, so darker skin. Oh. This is wild yeast, so it's a yeast that's isolated from the from the vineyard, the single two vineyard uh, production. So about only a thousand cases of this made per vintage. Um, 
tank fermentation, cryomaceration, tank fermentation, uh, wild yeast uh, uh, fermentation, so a longer fermentation process. So uh, it's a great example of an elevated Moscofilero, uh, again, getting deeper into the variety, getting deeper into the, into the region, and really doing really more complex expressions uh, and this is the first of its kind, and we've been making this wine now for about, oh, my God, it's been about nine, eight vintages. So it's about the eighth vintage that we've made this, this wine. We also make a regular Escuras Moscofilado with all five clones, which is, which is a really one of our more popular wines, while this is more of a more selective expression sure. of that variety and of that region. Uh, so you get a lot of that salty, briny kind of component to it. You get yes. this. Uh, great minerality and reminds uh, me of Chablis. It's very yeah. Chablis esque. You know, moderate plus to high acid, and of course you got that faint seashell, a little bit of lemon, um, faint apple, and just a touch of peach in there. White peach. Uh, it's really delicious. The acid struck me at first because I think I brushed my teeth. <laughs> uh, even though it is even night, nighttime here in Seattle, um, uh, but delicious wine. It's it really has a soft texture, but the acid and the austerity is really uh, brilliant. Um, it has some zing, some verve, and uh, really pretty wine. What's this run? Uh, retail on this wine is twenty two. Twenty four. We're about nineteen ninety nine. There we go. Yeah, I would perfect. say right around there. Uh, Doing a quick math here. Yeah, around 19 bucks, under 20 bucks. Cool. And uh, let's see, I bet you there's a website, right? What's your website? Our website is uh, www.diamondwineimporters.com. Perfect. So people can go check that out on your site. They probably have an. Uh, how many wines do you carry there in Chicago? Well, um, we are a national company, so we're in 45 states. Um, and in wow. our portfolio, we have 10 wineries. Uh, ranging in size uh, from our largest uh, producer that's roughly at about 100,000 cases by U.S. standards, still medium size, to all the way down to a 1,000 case producer. Um, and we also work with two craft distilleries cool. um, as well. That's exciting. So, um, Are they making that stuff called, is it Rika or Raka? or Raki. Raki, yeah. Isn't that from Raki. pine needles or Raki. something? Aleppo pine needle or something? No. Like no, no, no. Raki is a grape distillate spirit. Ah, it is, okay. It, the, it is our version of grappa. Uh-huh. It's our region of pisco. It's all grape-based. What you're thinking of is Ritzina, oh. which is the R word, <laughs> that is, uh, which is a, re- a pine yes. resonating uh, wine yes. that goes all back right. to antiquity. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about that. We won't uh, yet, uh, <laughs> although I did have some and I actually enjoyed it at one point. All right, uh, quickly, we have a Santorini here. This is uh, yeah. a wine from Santorini, island, a volcanic terroir, a Certico. And uh, what's interesting on the label is the crown basket. Yes, the wreath. Um, that is called, in colloquial terms, we call that a culura or a Stefani. Stefani, that's it. Uh, this is a, yeah, and this is a, me- a method of training the vines really low to the ground. So Santorini is one of the most unique stories in the world. It's a living museum of wine. It is a world, her- it is, we're petitioning to become a world heritage site. It is, it has, it's more to do about our wine world than it has to do about Greece. Last super volcano to erupt in, in 1620 BCE. It's last super volcano. Really? Um, oh, cool. Biggest in the world. Only nine to ten inches of rain in the last four years per annum. So it's a desert landscape. Uh, vines here are the oldest DNA vines in the world because they've been propagated vine to vine for over 3,000 years. There's wow. no vine diseases on this island. 
Um, because these are new soils, we have no decomposition of plant life, so they're non-organic matter soils. Wow. So that's one of the reasons we can't add phylloxera. But it's also a rarity that occurs at you know the, these these wines that are created on this hot, dry area have high acidity because of those uh, unique aspects of the soil and the climate, which is ananthema. It's an outlier uh, in all the wine world. So this is and the yields here. Are, are actually in normal years, which we haven't had a normal year in about six vintages, are uh-huh. about 15 hectoliters per hectare. Oh, boy. So we're talking about, uh, yeah, we're talking about uh, a third of Grand Cru Burgundy. For uh, sure. Grand Cru Burgundy is uh, 38 to 42, and we're at 15 in the last four years. We've been down to nine hectoliters per hectare. So we are extremely low yields. But the, uh, PDO, the, uh, the, uh, the PDO allows you for, PDO. for more, right? You mean you can just no well, the PDO? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The PDO, but sure, this is sure. this is not by man. This right. is not man's hand intervening with this. <laughs> this is nature. This is actually just purely nature. Um, the variety of the island is the main variety of the island represents eighty percent of the cultivation and has become one of the most noblest grape varieties uh, of Greece and also Jansen's Robinson's favorite variety in the world is Assyrtiko. Ah, oh. Assyrtiko was isolated to this island for, you know, for over 4,000 years. And in the last decade, now you'll see it in Australia, you'll see it in California, you'll see it in yes. Mexico, you see it in, I, I, I just found out of an Oregon planting. Uh, um, wow. Uh, we see it in different, yeah, so, and, but a, and you'll find it in different parts of Greece as well. But a surgical Santorini is unique because of the conditions that exist there. This producer, Santo, is the co-op on the island. And the island's tiny. It's All right, hold that. Hold that miles. thought. Hold that thought, because we're going to take a break here. But how big is the island? 38 square miles. 38 square miles. Is it square? Does it look like a regular island? Or is it round no, kind it, of thing? It, of, no, it is not. It used to be round. It's not a caldera of kind of thing? A caldera or something? Yeah, it's a crescent. Crescent. Okay, cool. Yeah, Perfect. That with, sets uh, us up. With a caldera in the middle. All right. Hey, folks, speaking with Ted Diamantis of Diamond Wine Importers in Chicago, we're going to try some Santorini Assertico wine from Greece right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m., Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, so hey, time for round three. I've got three bottles of wine left to taste with my pal Ted Diamantis, who is uh, the Diamond Wine Importer's proprietor, founder, owner, and it's a national company. You can find information about them on the web at diamondwineimporters.com. Ted, we were talking about the island of Santorini, which is a crescent shape. It's an old supervolcano, which uh, burst, I think, exploded in 1630 BCE. You're talking about the low amount of rainfall there, less than nine inches, and of course, very abnormal vintage uh, cycles, right? You said you haven't had a, a normal vintage in the last six vintages. Uh, but what is the vintage like? When does when does flowering happen, and when does uh, harvest take place? So flowering occurs a little bit earlier on the island because they have this really rare ecosystem, so it gets a little bit warmer. So we have flowering towards the uh, middle of March and beginning again towards the middle of March, and we actually harvest in the beginning of August. Uh, it could start as early as July 25th. Um, but typically we're the first two weeks of August. You say July 25th. Is, uh, that, is that a PDO mandate like they do for champagne? They said you can harvest at this time, or is that just 
on average no, of the we year? We just go by the we just go by the cycle of the plant. All right. Uh, when the, when it's ready, there is no mandate. It's whenever the the vine is ready and finality right. Now everything's uh, hand again, harvested it, as well. And I'm sure where where does the labor come from? I know here in Washington State we have that migrant train coming up from Mexico, which is was good for us. But right. where where what about you? What about Greece and Santorini? Well, in Santorini, we'll talk about it. It's a really unique situation. Uh, because that island sees over 4 million tourists, there's a lot of competition for labor. Uh, we can't, we can't, it's really difficult to get labor because as soon as we bring a laborer um, on the island to work in the vineyards, he realizes that he can make that much money in an hour uh, being a bartender or hauling bags right. or driving a cab or doing yeah. something else around tourism. So it's really hard. That's one of our big problems on Santorini. Three-card Monty. But the labor is... <laughs> pardon me? Three-card Monty. Three-card Monty. Three Monty. <laughs> yeah. So our labor is um, is Greek, but we also have other uh, Balkans, Albanians, different people from the other Balkan countries that come in seasonally. In all of Greece, depending on the region... Uh, we do have a big streak, a Greek contingent working in the vineyards, but we've been always uh, um, relying you know, on, on the by, yeah, seasonal uh, labor. Albanians and other sure. Romanians, Bulgarians, people that are coming in and doing our uh, some of the work during the season. Tell me about uh, the so grape. Eat, Tell me about the Assyrtico grape. Is this a pale skin right. grape? Is it green grape? Is it a large cluster? I, I imagine. And how many clusters per this crown wreath or the uh, Stefani? Wow. Okay. Ready? So. It is about the size of a, of a Chardonnay of a, of a Chardonnay cluster. The skins are fairly thick. They've had to adapt over over thousands of years of the harsh conditions of the island. So now that they're very thick skins, that's why you get phenolics. Phenolics, yeah. Certificals from Santa yeah. So um, and and it's uh, it's a yellow. It's pale yellow. It's a pale yellow. So it's almost like a Chardonnay. It looks sure. like Chardonnay. Right? Does it get dots away. on it? Those little uh, those little black spots or those spots? No, we typically don't get the spots. Okay. No. Cool. We don't get spots. But you'll, you'll have that same kind of uh, the, the color. Now, uh, bear in mind, there are other varieties on the island, ancient varieties. Uh, the rule on the island, just so everybody knows the, the exact rule for the island, that you have to be minimum 75% of Sirtico, uh to be an Appalachian wine. And the other 25% can be two other varieties, either a theory or Idani or both. Um, cool. So um, there's a minimum and a maximum, but or what the new, um, uh, what not the new, but the, what elevated a Santorini and the attention of a Sirtico is when Vintner started doing 100% of Sirticos, uh, which was started by um, a gentleman, uh, Domain Cialis, Paris Cialis, which is one of the pioneers of the island, another one of our producers. Uh, so Sirtico is a is a variety that can have high acidity, can have phenolics. Um, is it has more of can have tropical notes, but it's been really compared to is what you said earlier about Moscofilero. More so, it's Chablis, right? That stony kind of minerally. This uh, is more like uh, Premier Cru, Grand Cru Chablis in terms of of how exactly. I, you know the first the Moscofilero was a little leaner. Here you've got texture with the lees contacts, and the in like, the crown basket or the Stefani, the fruiting zone is in the scent is in the middle, right? I mean that's yeah, yeah, so that's where you're collecting humidity to help keep those grapes uh, um, hydrated, right? Because that's why they do the basket, correct? Protects them from the wind. Well, that and creates the wind, a little micro. The wind, yeah. We have, yeah, the winds are you know the rage at it's you know sixty <laughs> seventy miles per hour. Do you have a name? We have the, the Mistral. We've got uh, you know the, the Chiraco. The, nor- the, mis- 
yeah, the Shirakos and Mistrals are our southern winds. The Meltemis are the northern winds, ah. which are the really harsh winds that come down from the north in spring. All those mountains, and yeah. also in July and August. And we, we, it's the enemy of the vine in spring, but we absolutely need those winds at harvest to slow down. Because it's hot? Right yeah, because it gets alcohol, too hot. Yeah, it's super hot. Wow. In an hour, you could jump a point of alcohol if you're not <laughs> hustling and cut the grapes That's off. That's pretty the wild. This is a you delicious know? wine. I'm really enjoying this. Um, tell me about uh, this producer. This is a, a Santo winery, 1947. Yeah, Santo, uh, I'm sorry? Yeah. I think it says 1947. It is, uh, it, 1947 was a founding of the co-op. Uh, so right after the liberation agreed from, from Nazi Germany after the, after the occupation. Sure. Um, and this is a co-op. There was set, co-ops were set up all, all over Greece in that period to help right. the farmers to have an outlet for their grapes because there were no private artisanal wine world yeah. until the 1990s. Sure. Yeah. So this is a co-op. It, 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 all the farmers, there's about 1,500 farmers that are involved in the co-op. And you're like, 1,500 farmers on a 38-square-mile island? Right. Yeah. We have highland fragmentation in Greece. Oh, yeah. We have Napoleonic laws when it comes to <laughs> land ownership. You can't, you can't kid, cut a kid out of, out of his inheritance of land. You can cut him out of anything else but not land. Oh, boy. So it gets, land kept on getting fractured and fractured and fractured and fractured. So actually, the average c- cultivation in Greece is 0.45 hectares for a farmer in a vineyard, okay. which is, is about an acre. Oh, point four five. Yeah, point four. Oh, I thought you said four five. Yeah, crazy. Uh, this is a really delicious wine. I'd love to spend more time on Assertico, but we got to get on to these reds. So, what's the price of the uh, Santo Winery Assertico twenty eighteen Volcanic Terroir? Uh, that 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 is going to be about twenty six dollars a bottle. That's a good deal. That's a tasty wine. I think it's got very. Ex- and I'm tasting them all room temperature or whatever it is. They're not chilled at all. So to me, that I get to really appreciate the acidity and the palate, the the texture, etc. Now we are on to two reds. We have the Aortico and the uh, Sino Mavro. Okay, let's start off with the uh, with the Aortico. Aortico. That's what I got. Aortico. Aortico. All right, here we go. Okay, you're, you're, okay. You, um, you, you you said it very well. Ayurgitico is an ancient variety cultivated specifically in the appellation of Nemea. Nemea mm. is an hour and a half southwest of Athens, wow. so not far away from where the Moscophila row comes from. A mountainous appellation, the largest red wine appellation in Greece in terms of size and gallonage produced. But it was a, a, it used to be bulk wine, but with the advent of young winemakers, it started with George Skouris, they started recultivating all the mountain vineyards, lowering yields, changing canopy, changing orientation of vineyards. Um, and all of a sudden, Ayurgitico has emerged as one of the great red varieties of Europe. Uh, this is the one you are having. It's cultivated all uh, this domain Scuras, St. George Ayurgitico, because the etymology uh, of the word, the transliteration of the word of, of Ayurgitico means St. George. What? Really? Um, and, yeah, so Ayos means Saint. Yirtiko is a variation of Yorgo. Yorgo huh. is George, Saint George oh. variety. So this variety has been cultivated since 740 BCE in these mountains. And uh, this specific wine is all cultivated at above 2,100 feet elevation. Uh, but it comes from the tapestry of the Appalachian. So it's from all the state grown vineyards. It is uh, partially from red, rocky, volcanic red vineyards partially from um, the, uh, uh, limestone calcareous vineyards, wow. partially from some clay vineyards, and and those three vineyards. That's, and, well, I'm sorry, in one vineyard type that has <laughs> more sand. So it, within the wow, that's quite a mosaic. You're right. Profiles. 
Oh boy, it's a mosaic, absolutely. And it's and Etsy's one year in barrel, but all older French oak. Right, it's all about the fruit and the terroir. This is a very soft wine. This is very Merlot esque. Reminds me of Tempranillo um, or even yes. Barbera. It's it's just got that nice, lush. I'm a delicious wine. Really friendly, soft. I mean, this seems like a great value. Is this seventeen bucks? It is. 16 bucks. There we go. I was feeling it. I was feeling it. Super cool. Um, St. George, 2017. Now, uh, is Santorini's uh, C-level vineyards then? And then uh, St. George, where the uh, Nemea, Nemea would be 2,200? Is, is that really the, di- the difference? It's above C-level. Yeah, Santorini. Yeah, in Santorini, the vineyards of, uh, vary from C-level. They go only to about... Uh, about 200 meters, so we're talking about six, 700 feet of elevation. Pretty well, cool. Here we're talking about mountains. Yeah. So, so with, with this different area, and the Mara Mountains. Are there, I mean, obviously different vineyard training, different vine training, different trellising. Is there me- me- mechanical harvesting at all in Greece? Very little. All because right. Of the mountains. Sure. Because of the terroir. Um, there, I believe there's only two entire mechanical harvesters in all of Greece. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that, does that be Butari? No, I don't know. I'm not kidding. I love Butari. Uh, well, Butari is no Butari is a negotiant, so uh, they're really not making that much wine. Oh, look at you! You know the whole blenders. scene. This is super fun. Hey, oh, yeah. uh, Ted Diamantis, we've got one more segment and one more wine to try. So stick around, folks. Speaking with Diamond Wine Importers proprietor Ted Diamantis, right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's loud. He's proud. Holding nothing back. Michael Savage. The Savage Nation. Weeknights 9 to 11. Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right. Hey, Seattle. Welcome back. Time for our fourth and final segment. And our fourth and final wine here, courtesy of uh, Ted Diamond, or Ted Diamantis from Diamond Wine Selections, Diamond Wine Importers. There in Chicago. He's specializing in Greek wines. He's He's totally Greek. <laughs> He's uh, told me about the the origin of, of Greek pizza. I get that. Um, I bartended last year at a little Greek pizza place here down on the beach in Seattle, right above my house, called Pegasus Pizza, and, and the owner's name is Ted. Um, so uh, it made me laugh. And uh, we always had sunflower seeds, feta cheese, spinach, right, olives, of course. So that to me was always what Greek pizza was. But I uh, digress. Now we have another wine here. Well, first of all, this San George would go great with pizza. I mean, this is a just a lovely, Absolutely. delicious wine. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I always like that. You know, it's a great barbecue wine. It's great in the summer with a little bit of a chill on it. Ayurgitico, uh, like you said, or like you mentioned, you're right. It's in Tempranillo, Barbera world, uh, Sangiovese world, Pinot Noir in terms of thickness of skin. So it, it has great acidity, it has great fruit, and it's a really ubiquitous wine because if it's, people like Merlot will drink it, people like uh, Grenache will drink it. You know, it's, it's, it yes. really fits a lot of people. It's a pleaser. Hey, uh, will they call it yeah, St. George? If you see a label that says St. George on it from Greece and Nemea, does that mean it's going to be Aoritico? I hope so. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking, you know. I, yeah, I, it just, should be. I haven't no, been to no, Greece. It should be. No, I uh, no, it should be, but you know, the St. George was a terminology that uh, we kind of, it's actually, I did it first 20 years ago that we translated the word and tried to use it to make it more friendly for Americans instead uh. of challenging them with Ayurgitico. But nowadays it's, 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 it's so great um, because 
I go to wine shows now and people come up to me and go, do you have an Ayurvedico? And I'm like, holy wow. shit, we've made it. I'm no sorry, doubt, radio. Sure. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's two. That we'll fix it. <laughs> uh, I got it. My, my uh, crack uh, uh, engineer is going to fix that for us. But um, that's so funny. All you need to do is make, now you got to make a Scoras Nuit Saint Georges. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can charge more too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, last wine. This is from Kiriani. This is uh, Anausa Sinomavro. Yes, sir. Uh, so Kiriani is one of the seminal producers in northern Greece, and you mentioned the Butari family. So this is the Butari family, but the other side of the Butari family that is vineyard-driven, estate-driven, mm. winemakers, um, and uh, they, they, their property uh, was started when the, when the family split back in 1996, I believe, 95 or 96, um, and this side of the family, you know, um, planted vineyards, had vineyards, and are is a one of the most heralded boutique producers in northern Greece. They they straddle two appellations, and one of the two is Nausa. Nausa is in northern Greece. It is an hour west of Thessaloniki, which is the Thessaloniki. second largest city of Greece. Thessaloniki, yep, an ancient city, um, and. Uh, and this is a this vineyard, this Appalachian sits. It's a small Appalachian, only 500 hectares total uh, planted. It's on the foothills of a large mountain range. It's a Mediterranean climate. Here we have calcareous alluvial soils with clay. Sinomavro uh, is the variety of this Appalachian, and it is also the variety of three other Appalachians. Uh, but the other two have to be blended. While the, there's another one further west in the mountains, a cool climate called a median which is 100%. But Nausa is one of the uh, founding appellations of right. Sinomavro. It is where a lot of uh, Sinomavro, when you taste Sinomavro from that appellation, a lot of people compare it to Barolo and Barbaresco and Nebbiolo as a variety, but structurally like Barbarolo and Barbaresco. So you have the classic profiles of stewed tomatoes, olive tapenade, uh, tarry, roast yes. petal, dried cranberry kind of profile. And a good hit of tannin uh, the there, too. You, great tannin. Um, it's and, just got pink colors, tannin. slight watery edge, um, and it fades to pink. It definitely looks like um, a Barolo Barbaresco Nebbiolo-based wine. Um, to me, it reminds me a little more um, Chateau of de Pop. Um, I know that... In a good way, because Barolo and Barbaresco, I mean, the acidity and tannin there, you really got to be in that mood. So um, whether you're going to be dining and eating, because it's hard to sip a Barolo by itself, right? I mean, you can if you're in. Absolutely. <laughs> this is something I can sip by itself. So super cool. Uh, Ted Diamantes, this has been really fun. What's the price point on the uh, Nausa Kiriani Zinomafro? Sinomavro. Uh, about $16. About oh, 15 bucks. Look at that, everybody. Hey, Greece is the new uh, wine find. Uh, and that's pretty exciting because everything old is new these days. We're, we're re-discovering uh, um, the ancient vines and, and the soils. And, of course, the other side of it, too, is that Greece has become a cleaner, smarter, sexier winemaking uh, production kind of thing. And so it all tastes better uh uh, to me. Um, so, so cool to t- talk to you. I'm glad we got to connect. Ted Thank Diamantis, you, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Christopher. Pleasure to be here. Right on. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed it. Remember, uh, get out there, support those restaurants, and when you're out and about, um, life is always better with a designated driver. But I want to tell you something. We've got all these James Beard Award-winning chefs, these great new restaurants, these pubs. We have to support them, or Seattle's going to be we're going to have these empty storefronts. We're going to have people sleeping in the darn doorways. So let's get back to, you know, appreciating life. Be healthy. Be safe. Be kind. Oh, my gosh. Everyone's speeding and people aren't nice. Be nice. 
<laughs> or stay home. I hope to see you again next week. Thanks.